there at Luke 15, Luke 15, and this is a uh, familiar passage of Scripture, and this is the prodigal son, and we're going to start, I'm going to read several verses, I'm going to start in verse number 11, and I'm going to go down through verse number 24, all right, verse number 11 through 24, Luke 15, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided in them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous living. Let me throw in some things as I'm reading this. Uh, He went to a far country. Let me say this. Sin will always take you away from God. Sin separates us. And a lot of times what sin does is it makes us feel uncomfortable and so we get away from things that make us feel uncomfortable. God's people, right? Those who are doing right, righteousness. You say, give me an illustration. What about Jonah? Didn't he flee from the presence of God? Didn't he want to get away? And so we see this prodigal right here. He went into a far country. He wanted to get, it away. He wanted to get away, get away from the things of God, get away from his father. Uh, It goes on here in verse number 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and journeyed himself, a citizen of that country, and sent him into the fields to feed the swine. He's a pig pig, uh, farmer, if I can say it that way. This, This is Jews. Jews are not supposed to have anything to do with this. By the way, sin will take you, and you'll be doing things that you thought you would never do. And we see that in here. And then it continues on in verse 16, and he would have fain, or he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. He's eating pig slop, pig food. Imagine this. And then it continues on, and when he had came to himself, he said, How many hired servants my father hath bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Right there, when it says sin against heaven, who is in heaven? That's God. First of all, he said, I've sinned against God. Every sin that we do is against God. And that's what the prodigal in this, the first thing he admits and he says, he says, I've sinned against heaven, which is sinned against God. And then it goes on. And says, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, verse 19, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. What I want to present to you tonight is this, the grace and mercy of the Father. The grace and mercy of the Father. Of the Father. And as we go through this, I want you to see, and you will see as we go through this, the grace and mercy of this Father in this passage of Scripture. But before we do, let's have a word of prayer and ask God for His presence, His power to help in this time. Father, thank you for the day and thank you for the privilege 
Now, Father, I come to you. Would you calm my heart? Lord, would you help me, Lord, to just get out of the way? Would you empty me? And would you fill me with yourself? Holy Spirit of God, I invite you. We need you. It is useless to be here without you. And Holy Spirit of God, do what I cannot do. Speak in ways that uh, would bring understanding to the hearts of these folks here in church. And God, I pray that if someone doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, I pray that you would save them. And for Christians, Lord, you would challenge them, that you would uh, convict in areas that they need help and they need to see your love. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We look at this and we're talking about grace and mercy of the Father. You say, what is grace? Grace is undeserved merit or kindness. I, I like to say it this way. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. You know what we do deserve? We deserve hell. But grace says you can go to heaven. And I'm so thankful for a God that gives us His grace. And so we see also grace, there's the acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. And so we begin to see just a little bit of the grace of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Now get this, what's the purpose? That we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. Church, we need God's mercy and God's grace. One doesn't come without the other one. And by the way, we we have to have this. And I'm so thankful in this passage, I realize this is a parable. I understand that. But what I want you to see that this father in here, in this passage of Scripture, for this prodigal son represents, or, or if we can say it this way, the father in heaven, God. I'm telling you, God is a grace gracious God. He's a merciful God. He's a wonderful God. And He wants to bestow grace and mercy. Nobody, man, woman, child, deserves the love of God. Nevertheless, God loves everyone. Isn't that wonderful? It doesn't matter what you do. Whether it's the murderer, the adulterer, the drug addict, the alcoholic, the gambler. Wait a minute, what about these areas? The religious the self-righteous, the disobedient, the rebellious. The Bible says that if you sin in one point, you're guilty of them all. And so what God's trying to show us is this. We need grace. We need grace. The Bible says in John 1, 17, for the law was given by Moses, I love this, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Boy, I'm so thankful for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that God has changed or that he passes or overlooks sin. But when Jesus Christ died on that cross that Miss Perez just sang about, when he died on that cross, he bore the divine judgment for mankind's sin. You ready for this? Therefore, he could deal with us in grace. He could deal with us. He could give us his grace because of the the Son, Jesus Christ, dying on that cross, taking that judgment, that pain. The, boy, by Him taking that, now He says, I can give Him my grace. I can give Him my grace. Wow. I'm so thankful for His grace. That grace forgives us when we don't deserve forgiveness. That grace is something that we need to be thankful for. We need to be thankful for God's grace. 
I present to you a few questions here to get your mind going. Have you received this grace? Have you received this grace? Because let me tell you something. You can receive the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ or you can reject it. Just as Pastor Chris preached on this morning of Felix. You can receive it or you can reject it. Are you growing in His grace? Now that you have received His grace, are you growing? There's an expectation. God has an expectation for us. He has expectation. God doesn't want to just see us on a shelf. God wants us to grow in His grace. And then also, are you giving His grace? Are you giving His grace? Grace is truly all about God, you ready, and none of us. Did you get that? Because I want to say it again because we need, we need this. Grace is truly all about God and none of us. You know the scripture and I'm going to turn to it. Ephesians 2. Forgive me, I didn't have it written down, but it's important because I want to, I want to present this to you. I want you to get it. Verse 8, for, here it is, for by grace are ye saved through faith. That's Jesus Christ. And here it is. And that not of yourselves. Grace is nothing of you and all of him. And then it is the gift of God. And a gift, you don't have to do anything. You just have to receive it. Grace helps us to forgive ourselves. And grace covers sin, I love this part, and buries guilt. Isn't grace wonderful? It is wonderful. That younger son that we have read about, it is a picture of us. You say, it's a picture of us. Yeah, it's a picture of us wanting our own way. Our way always will take us down. Our way, when we have our desires, our, hey, it's my life, I want to do what I want, and we see that here in this prodigal son. But that father, as I said earlier, is a picture of God and His grace given to us. The father also gave the son mercy. This is where they're coming together. Mercy. Look with me in verse number 20 of our passage. Verse number 20, And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, here it is, his father saw him. You say, where is the mercy? The father had eyes of mercy. Because he's looking. I can imagine this father, his son says, give me what I deserve. By the way, we really don't deserve anything. But he's saying, give me my inheritance. He goes, he lives it up. He lives like the world. He comes back, he has nothing. The father, as he sees him, he doesn't, you ready? He doesn't give him glaring eyes. You ever see people who can talk with their eyes? You know what I'm talking about? They had those glaring eyes. He didn't have the glaring eyes. He had eyes of mercy. Because when I, I believe when he saw him, you're going, to see, you're going to see what takes place here. A lot begins to take place. Not only was it eyes of mercy, but it was also bowels of mercy. Right there in verse number 20 as well. It says, when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. Bowels mean what it has to do with that, that terminology in Scripture has to do with the inward parts. And the inward part that is talking about your heart is compassion. This father had bowels of mercy. He didn't say to his son, he wasn't hard-hearted, get, get, get the dickens out of here. Hey, you, you made your bed, lie in it now. He didn't have that. He had compassion. He had 
bowels of mercy. Not only have eyes of mercy and bowels of mercy, but I also want you to see that he had feet of mercy. Feet of mercy right there in verse number 20 as well. And when he saw him and had compassion, he ran. He ran. Now, you think about this. Um, People ask me, do you run? I say, no. They say, why don't you run? I said, because I don't like to. I said, is there a dog chasing me? Then I'm running. But no running, no, no dog, no running. But you know what? When the father saw the son, he didn't even think twice. He took off. He ran to his son. Boy, there's feet of mercy. Feet of mercy. But not only that, arms of mercy. Right there in verse number 20 as well. He ran and fell on his neck. Now, that doesn't mean he was running. He tripped and he fell on his neck. That's not what it means. It means when he got to his son, he finally got to his... Boy, he wrapped his arms around him. Arms of mercy. Welcome him home. Son, I can imagine the conversation. Son, so good to have you. So good to see you. Arms of mercy. And then lastly, in verse number 20, is the lips... The lips of mercy, the lips of mercy, it says, and kissed him. He kissed him. Now, I'm right here, at this point here, I'm going to say, I am so thankful we're not in the same culture because they used to greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I'm telling you, I love you, but I am not going to kiss you, okay? I'm not, no, no kiss. But this is what it made me think about it. Um, the granddaughter, Charity. And we get the privilege to, to watch her sometimes, and it is a privilege. And before I know it, I'm, my response is I'm kissing her on her forehead. I'm kissing her on her cheek. You know what it is? It's love. But he had lips of mercy. Did that son deserve Kip a kiss? Did he deserve it? No. Did that son deserve arms of mercy? No. Do we deserve mercy? No. We don't. Do we deserve grace? No, we don't. I want you to see what the Father gives. I want you to see what the Father... I want, and here's where we're going to start looking at the grace. Okay, This is where we're going to really get into the grace. Verse number 22. But the Father said to His servants, Bring forth the best robe. Wow, I like this. He didn't say, go get him that one we got at the uh, thrift store. Oh, don't get him that one that your, you know, your older brothers, sisters, daughter, kid, you know. Hey, don't give, that, don't give him the one that's been passed down. He said, go give him the best robe. And let me say here, God always gives his best. Amen? Jesus Christ, didn't he give him? Yes. God always gives his best. And I'm so glad this father, and I know this is the father in, in a parable, but this father represents our father, which is God, which is uh, because we have a personal relationship. But he said, give him the best robe. As we look at this, there's some things about this robe that I want us to see. Uh, first of all, I believe when this prodigal came home, I believe his clothes were tattered. I believe his clothes were nasty. I mean, he's been feeding pigs. You ever been around pigs? All right, if you haven't, praise the Lord, all right? Uh, just keep eating them. No, but anyway, uh, but uh, they're nasty. And I can imagine he probably, 
probably his shirt's gone. It's probably, you know, and he's probably got just maybe, I don't know, I'm just giving you a picture, probably maybe just shorts. He's barefooted. He doesn't have much. He comes home. He doesn't have anything. By the way, sin will strip you. Sin will take everything you got. You say, how do you know, Brother Steve? I deal with man after man after man in jail and prison, and I'm telling you, sin takes everything. And this, this prodigal comes home, and he needs something, and here's where the grace begins to go. He come in. He says, give him the best robe. We see in Genesis 3.21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Here, right here, back in, back then, God clothed, remember Adam and Eve's sin, and God clothed them. But let me tell you something, when God, when the father clothes this son, this prodigal, he puts on him a robe. And it's not just any robe, it's a wonderful robe. It's a robe of righteousness. It's a robe of righteousness. Let me uh, give you the scripture here. The scripture here, the robe of righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.17, actually this is... Um, a verse here, but a Second Corinthians five saying, "For he hath made him to be sin who knows no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him." And so we begin to see he's going to clothe him. He's going to give him this robe. And what God does is this: when we come to him, he says this. And I'm I'm looking for something. I like props, and um, give you a prop. Okay, this is going to represent sin. Okay, this is going to represent sin. And this right here. Is going to represent righteousness. Here's what, here's what God does for us. He says, give me your sin, and I'll give you my righteousness. And he coats him. He puts a robe on him, and that robe is the robe of righteousness. He did not deserve it. It's his grace. It's his grace that he bestows to us. And one of the great things that I see about that robe, you know what that enables us? To do right. I heard a man just not too long ago that I was dealing with there in the jail, and he said this to me, I'm just a sinner, so I'm going to sin. Well, amen, there's some truth to that, right? We are sinners, and we are going to sin. But let me tell you something, by the grace of God, are we to continue in sin that grace abound? God forbid. God doesn't want that. That's not an excuse. That's not a liberty to sin. And God, when he clothes him, he puts that robe. That robe means it represents a robe of righteousness. God is now giving him, but not only him, God is giving you and I the ability to do right. And there's no reason that we can't do right. The only reason that we don't do right is because we choose not to. That's the only reason. And he puts a robe on him. Wow, I'm excited. I'm, I, I love this thought of the robe of his righteousness how he clothes us. He covers him. Wow. But not only does he put that robe on him, but he continues on. Look with me in verse number 22. It says, and put a ring on his hand. Put a ring on his hand. That ring is a signet. That ring represents something. And what that ring represents is this. It represents the Holy Spirit of God. Let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ, when God gave His Son, and He died for our sins, and if you remember, when Jesus ascended up into heaven, He said this, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will send you a comforter. You know what? who that is? That's the Holy Spirit of God. The earnest of the Spirit 
is the Holy Spirit of God. And the down payment, get this, the down payment that God made for us, He said, not only did I send Jesus to die for you, but to help show you that you're mine, and one day I'll come back for you, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit of God. And He'll never leave you nor forsake you. That ring is a signet. That ring represents the Holy Spirit of God. And by the way, that ring is something very valuable. Very valuable. Because He gives us the Holy Spirit. Who enables us to do right? The Holy Spirit. Can you see the righteousness? Can you see the robe? Can you see God putting all this together? This is God's grace. This is God's grace. He puts a ring on His finger. By the way, He puts a ring on your finger. No, not physically but He has given you the Holy Spirit of God. He's given you the Holy Spirit of God. The problem is this, as I spoke in Sunday school, we don't do these two things. We don't don't obey and we don't abide. Because you know what? We think obey is pretty simple. That's childish. That's way back. That's when I was a kid. But let me tell you something. The Bible says it's better to obey than sacrifice. And God wants that. So we see the Father, we see His grace by giving Him the robe. We see His grace by putting a ring on His finger. But then it gets better. In verse number 22, He put shoes on His feet. Shoes on His feet. Typically, as I said earlier, slaves did not have shoes. I can imagine this prodigal coming home barefooted, his feet sore. The Father put shoes on His feet. The Romans would put sharp objects. The Romans were, were very good at crucifixion, but they were also good at strategic as uh, far as war. And one of the things that the Romans would do is they would put sharp objects into the ground. They would bury them. They would only be a small portion sticking up, but it was enough that it would puncture the feet of the enemy. Let me tell you something. If you've ever stepped on a nail or if you've stepped on something that really, I mean, pierced your foot, you were hurting deeply. And you weren't thinking about anything else but trying to find something to help that aching foot. And let me tell you something. Those Romans, they, they had a strategy. Don't you think Satan tries to do the same thing? Because, if listen, if he can puncture our feet, where are we going to go? How far? What can we do? I think about Vito, and I know he didn't have a puncture in his, his foot, but you look at it as he has to be on those crutches. It disables him. It hinders him. And the devil knows how to hinder us. He knows how to disable us. And we've seen these Romans, what they would do. Why? Because they were barefooted. I remember uh, listening to my mom. My mom told stories, and some of you in this room, you, you can reminisce and you can uh, relate to this. But I remember my mom uh, is uh, 83 years of age, and, and I remember my mom saying during the summertime when they were kids, uh, just as soon as it got warm, they were barefooted. And one of the reasons why it, they grew out of their shoes and they didn't have money to buy them. And they had to go barefooted. Boy, you know what? We're a spoiled generation. Most of us in here are so tenderfooted. Yeah. Yeah. Me included. But I'm so thankful the Father provides shoes. You know what's the reason for the shoes? I'm glad you asked. The shoes represent freedom. The shoes, because now, I like this, now I can go places that I couldn't go. 
Because when those sharp objects are sticking up to the ground, you know what? I can trounce on them. I got my steel toes. I can walk right. I can go wear it. See, God gives us freedom. These shoes represent freedom. When Jesus Christ saved you, he gave you freedom. He put shoes on your feet and he says, now go. I, uh, I have the privilege of going into jail. And I don't remember what prison I was in, but they, uh, they told me about this guy. And they said, you got to meet this guy. His name is Drive-By. Now, I know that sounds scary. Yeah, that's what I deal with, all right? They said, his name's Drive-By. And I'm thinking, oh, no, this guy's a shooter, man. This is not good. But he was drive-by. This is why he was drive-by. Everywhere he went, he handed out Scripture. Everywhere he went, he went, he would go. But you know what God did? Gave him freedom. And that freedom allowed him to go places that he couldn't go before. See, they called him drive-by because he was constantly giving out the gospel. He was giving out the Scripture. He was giving. Why? Because he cared about people. He has shoes on his feet. Now he's able to go. By the way, we have shoes on our feet. We have a ring on our hand. We have a robe. What's our excuse? What's our excuse? God's not going to say, oh, you were too tired. You're just getting old. You just, you know, I accept it. It's okay. No. God's saying, what's your excuse? Not only does it represent freedom, it represents honor. And I like this part. By the way, when it represents honor, what that means is now God enables you to do. You don't deserve it, but he lets you represent him. You think about that. But it also is restoration. Restoration. You say, what is restoration? It's the fruit of reconciliation. It is this, renewal of friendship after disagreement or enmity, or the quality of being an enemy. This this man that I was telling you about, Jacob, to, to the glory of God, he's meeting his brother for the first time in eight years because his brother didn't want anything to do with him. But God is putting shoes on his feet. He's reconcili- reconciliating his family. He's healing them. He's bringing them back together. That's our God. That's our God. But not only does those shoes represent that, it also represents, and uh, Thomas quoted this this evening, in Ephesians 6.15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That shod simply means shoed or shoed of. Hey, you've been given shoes. You, it represents the same thing as a horse being shoed. It gives you the ability to go. God wants us to keep going after salvation, to keep sharing the gospel with others in our path of the light. The scripture says in, in Mark 5.19, I'm going to give you an illustration here. It says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath compassion on thee. This is the maniac of Gadara. If you remember this maniac, nobody wanted to be around him. He was crazy. Chains couldn't bind him. People couldn't control him. He was demon-possessed. And when Jesus came and healed him, God, Jesus changed him. Jesus transformed his life. And he says, Jesus, I want to stay with you. And Jesus said, no, go home. Go home and tell thy friends of the great things that I have done for thee. See, God doesn't want us to stop. He wants us to go. We just had a missions conference, and I'm... Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. 
You say, Brother Steve, why do you, why do you go door to door? Why'd you go yesterday? And, and it's not because I'm a great person, because God said, I, I gave you a robe. I gave you the ability to do right. I give, I've given you my Holy Spirit to empower you. And I put shoes on your feet. No go. No go. There's no reason. No reason. I'm thankful. But not only that, the shoes, and I'm going to continue on, represents stability and security. Stability and security. That in uh, Ephesians 6.15, it says, In your feet shod with the preparation. Preparation is a word meaning prepared foundation. Prepared foundation. And as I was thinking about this, your feet, you think about how important your feet are. So if I, if I had a, a long rope, and then I put a line right down the middle of the church, and I said, okay, this, and we're going to split you up. This is one side, this is the other side. This long rope, and I got this line, we're going to do tug of war. Now, a lot of you folks in here, you have physical strength. You have the ability to pull that rope and to, to move it. But let me tell you something, if you don't have the right footing, you're going to be on your backside. Footing is important. And these shoes represent that footing, that security, the stability that God gives. The scripture says in Psalm 17, 5, it says, Hold up my goings in thy path, that my footsteps slip not. Psalm 18, 36, Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, that my feet did not slip. That's what our God does for us. He gives us those shoes. And by the way, they said also those shoes that he gives us, they have the ability, when they would go into the war, the Romans would actually have spikes, kind of like people when they go golfing, so they can get a good footing. And that's what it represents. God gives us a great footing. He gives us that prepared foundation. But not only is it a preparation far as a prepared foundation, but it's a preparation in readiness. We must be mobile, flexible, and ready with the truth. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So God wants us to have a readiness. He wants us. He's given in these shoes. But then it goes on, the scripture in Ephesians 6, in verse number 11, listen to this, put on the whole armor of God that ye might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Are you getting how important the shoes are? God's been using this word, stand. He wants us to stand. I believe it was Alex Hamilton said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. We got to stand. By the way, we, it's, it's time to stand. I just went to, to Moorhaven Prison, and the, uh, the chaplain said, hey, I want to show you something. He said, come back in my office. And he took me back in his office, and he, he, he took me on the computer, and he showed me, and he said, look what they're teaching little kids now. And here's what it was. Gay BCs. Here's where it went with. And here's how it, C, come out of the closet. Yes, that's... Let me tell you something. If we don't start standing, they're going to run over us. By the way, it's not a stand to like, you know, get them and beat, beat them up. It's not that type of stand. Boy, the scripture that God's been using, 2 Timothy 2.24. Um, and I just went blank after I said that. So guys, I understand when you're quoting those verses. 
Uh, I believe I have it on my... Hallelujah. I got it. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. You say, why does that happen, Brother Steve? Why do you forget? You're getting old? Yes, I'm getting older, but the devil. If he can put thoughts in your mind, do you think he can take thoughts out? Especially Scripture? I'm so thankful. You know who gave me that back? It wasn't Steve. That was the Holy Spirit of God. I'm telling you, folks, our feet are important. And God wants us to stand, to stand. It also says, and I'm, I'm going to wind down here, Wherefore, take on you the whole armor that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. And then verse 14, the first word it has is stand. I, I wrote this down, the lyric of a song, Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Ye soldiers of the cross, lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor. Each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Folks, it's time to stand up. God's given us a robe. He's given us a ring. But he's, and He's given us shoes. There's one more thing, and I'm, I'm aware of the time. I'll move quickly. He also had a, gave Him a fatted calf in verse number 22. Or 23. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. The fatted calf represents... It was kept for a festive occasion. Feast for the sun. It was a feast for the sun. This sun didn't deserve this. He didn't deserve this good food. He didn't deserve this. But it was a feast for his son, and it was a festival for the family. You say, what are you talking about? The calf had been stalled to fatten so that they could butcher it. The prodigal went from eating with pigs to eating the fatted calf. You tell me that's not grace and mercy. The father provided him the best robe, but also for his family to celebrate the son's return. The father has joy and wants this joy, you ready, to spread to the entire family. The Bible says this about rejoicing over sinners coming to Christ. In verse number 7 of Luke 15, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Verse 10, likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Let me say this, church, when someone gets saved, there should be a time to celebrate. Jesus Christ in this story here, this prodigal, boy, when his son came home, he said, my son is dead, but he's alive. We're going to celebrate. We're going to be merry. He said, it's not just for my son, but it's for the entire family. And what that means is, church, it's for all of us. When somebody gets saved, we should be excited. The angels are rejoicing in heaven. Help us, dear Lord. Oh, praise God, somebody got saved. You act like you just got your you know, taxes or something. I don't know. 
Come on, folks. It's time to get excited. The Father says, hey, man, we're going to have a festive. By the way, there's going to be another festive time, isn't it? When all the family gets together. It's coming, isn't it? It's coming. I'm so thankful of the mercy and the grace of the Father. The Son didn't deserve it, and neither do we. But I'm thankful that He gives us, and He knows what to give us. Let's have your heads bowed and eyes closed. This message was a message that God put on my heart, and it's not, it is, it does represent salvation, what Christ done for us. If we're not careful, we can very quickly forget what Christ has done for us. And I just want us to to remember here what God's done for us. He's given you a robe, not just any old rag. He's given you a robe of righteousness. He's put a ring. He's given you His Holy Spirit. He's put shoes on your feet, enabled you to do and present the gospel and to stand for Him. But not only that, to be to, to celebrate and be thankful for His goodness. Maybe God spoke to your heart in some way. I don't know how God has worked. But maybe you just need to just Spend some time and reflect and thank God for His goodness, His grace and mercy to you because He didn't have to give it to us. Maybe there's somebody you need to give that grace to. You know someone is not saved. And the Holy Spirit's bringing them to your mind right now. And He wants you to give them that grace. Now it's their choice whether they receive it or reject it. It's their choice. But you, need, you and I need to do our part of giving it. So whatever God speaks to your heart, I pray that you'll obey the Holy Spirit that we may abide and allow Him to do great things through us. Father, thank You for Your Word. I pray that You bless the simple thoughts. Would You work in hearts? Would You change us into Your glorious image? In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.